At Giant Eagle, you may have spotted the stacker. With uncanny MyPerks ability, she stacks up the perks to choose either dollars off or up to 20% off her entire grocery bill. The stacker, stacking up huge savings with MyPerks. Find your My personality and transform your shopping into free gas and groceries. Full details at GiantEagle.com slash MyPerks. Perks cannot be earned or redeemed on select items. Restrictions apply. Welcome back to Beyond Strange World. I am Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you? I'm doing really well. You'll notice that I got here early today. That's because I strapped on my jetpack. You were here so early today. I ran in. Did you run? I can't tell you how fast I got here because <laughs> it was a blur. <laughs> so uh, we are being joined by uh, the host and star of Strange World, Christopher Garitano. Christopher, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. It's thank- good to be here. I love talking to you guys. Ah, we love talking to you, too. It's great to see you every time that we do this. It's great to actually see you because after I watch an episode, I'm like, what what happened to him? I just want to make sure that you're good and you're, you're back in your room there and yeah. everything's comfortable. Yeah. This house is weird. You should see the rest of it. This is just my office. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you try always trying stuff on your head. Um, your body. <laughs> and we are also joined here by Jason Carestes of JK Botics. How's it going, Jason? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to join you guys and uh, really enjoying the show so far. Yeah, us too. And uh, thank you for joining us. So, so Lance was referencing the jetpack device, and this is something that happens in this episode of Strange World called Beyond Stargate, airs Mondays at 11 p.m. on Travel Channel. And so you created this device called called the jetpack. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so the jetpack um, is a device uh, that will let you run faster. Um, you know, contrary to uh, what's been out there Lately, where people are, you know, starting to fly with some of these devices, this is really about ground speed, and that's the big difference. Is it allows anybody, whether you're a soldier or whether your your name is Chris, exploring some crazy stuff going on, to run faster. And um, you know, we've kind of given it to Chris with the idea that if he comes into something really scary, then then maybe he'll be able to run away a little bit faster. <laughs> I don't think you can run that fast away from the hitchhikers that uh, spiritually pick up on your body. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true for sure. So, but uh, but yeah, the jetpack is an electric uh, device that um, provides instantaneous thrust at your back, allowing you to run faster, and it helps kind of carry some of your load along the way, so that way your legs don't have to do as much work and um, lets anybody uh, add a couple miles per hour to their top speed. That's very cool. Now, how much does it weigh? So the whole thing weighs around 12 and a half pounds. Um, it really depends on which batteries we have on it and what we're trying to do. I've got some longer uh, high-density batteries that will last a bit longer, so it will provide you with a longer thrust if you have to go a further distance, or we've got the high-performance lightweight batteries that give a, a more powerful punch but is a little bit more short-lived. Wow, very cool. So it doesn't really, it's, it obviously does not supposed to drag you down at all. It, whatever weight is added to your back, it is sort of propelled and then some 
by the force of the jetpack, right? Exactly. And so this is kind of an interesting phenomenon that, that I struggled with when I was first exploring exoskeletons. And, you know, you, you see some of those developments. How do we know that we're really actually making it easier for the body to run instead of just inducing some weird feeling? And, and you don't really know if it's helping. And so one of the things that I did with this jetpack is to actually determine your metabolic cost through uh, reading your, what you call your, your VO2. Um, essentially, how much oxygen you use to do a certain task. And one of the cool things about the jetpack is scientifically we can show that your body requires less energy to run faster with the jetpack than it does with nothing at all. No way. And so that's kind of the, the cool part about it. Amazing. And this is something your company improved or invented? So invented. Um, so this uh, stemmed from a DARPA-funded research program called the 4MM, uh, which stands for 4-Minute Mile. And the goal was to get any soldier capable of running a 4-Minute Mile. And uh, it, it kind of started from a weird, uh, I guess, method. I wanted to see if I, you know, what it takes to make somebody run that fast. And so I actually towed myself from an electric golf cart. And, uh, you know, I figured if there's any better way to make myself run that fast, it's by forcing myself to run that fast and saw amazing results from it. You know, if you're being towed along at the right angle, and that's kind of where that, that force vector comes from, that angle of force or thrust from the jetpack, um, was through analytical testing of towing myself with a golf cart. And wow. I wanted to see, well, man, how could I recreate this test? Okay, so for those unfamiliar, this episode is called Beyond Stargate, and we are not speaking of the 1994 movie with James Spader and... Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Uh, this is uh, something that has to do more along the lines of uh, reality and the government. You just mentioned DARPA. For those who don't know what DARPA is, what is DARPA and why does this have anything to do with your fun jetpack? Um, so DARPA is essentially one of the unique agencies that our government has for creating new technology. You've seen a lot of different technology that we use every day, such as uh, GPS. That's something that came from DARPA um, that was being developed for the military back in the day. And so now that it's made it to the commercial sector, um, we all have access to that. But DARPA focuses on developing technologies that are out of this world um, that they don't know if they're actually possible to create. And so um, that's kind of the, the vehicle. But they've got a lot of crazy stuff going on that, you know, this just kind of scratches the surface. This is the non-classified stuff. Oh, well, well, please fill us in on, uh, on the classified stuff. <laughs> And I just, I just want to be. I uh, would, but I'd have to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> DARPA stands for uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects. Yeah. It okay. sounds so Agency. ominous, though. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't it? Christopher, you're with me on that. Well, I, you know, the way I pitched this episode was you know, I grew up, we all grew up with these comic book stories, everything from X Men to Iron Man, you know, reading them now in recent years, that be, you know, these mega budget blockbuster movies but you know you grew up with these concepts in science fiction essentially you know comic books and science fiction and now it's very real it's actually so close to what we grew up reading that i felt it really you know it needed to be an episode and we needed to show people hey you know these things you're enjoying in fiction are real and it's going to blow your mind when you find out exactly how real they are not only the devices that are being designed but physically transforming your physiology uh being altered all of this stuff is 
coming into play and it's and it's being developed and is being tested right now. So X-Men one day, even now perhaps, or Iron Man will be a reality. Those are going to be real things. And that's where I wanted to start with this. Jason, are they a reality yet? Is there an Iron Man out there flying around? Um, well, you know, I think they were definitely getting closer to that. But, you know, Chris brings up a good point, And that's, that's really how, you know, I guess the agency and some of these projects are broken down. Um, if you look at what I was trying to accomplish, creating a, a method to allow any soldier superhuman or super speed capabilities, that's just one small part of really the idea, let's, let's say Iron Man, um, you know, or the super soldier capability. So if you diversify and if you take one researcher group that does high speed running, one that does, um, you know, uh, let's say stealth, one that does flying capabilities, and then you develop all these technologies independently and then integrate them together, that's where you end up with the super soldier. And that's kind of how this is, you know, I guess, broken down as part of that 4MM project was part of something bigger called Warrior Web, which is basically that. How do we, you know, branch out and web out these different technologies and then bring them all back together to create that super soldier? Is, is that your goal, Jason, to actually create a super soldier? as part of your company? No, no. So um, I, I do a lot of different things with my company, um, mainly focuses around robotics. Actually, the way the Jetpack got started was that was a method to make a faster runner. Um, but what the military was really looking for at the time was robotic exoskeletons, things to physically push and pull on your body to make you run faster. And um, fortunately, you know, after the Jetpack was developed, I had some success in that area as well. But it's a really complicated problem, especially when you start thinking about how fast somebody's legs are moving at a four-minute mile pace. Um, you know, your legs are oscillating at seven and a half hertz, which is seven and a half times each leg moves back and forth per second, roughly. And so as, as we take an exoskeleton and start putting things out on our, our legs, imagine trying to run even a, you know, six-minute mile with a one-pound sandbag on each ankle. That, that extra inertia is just going to really hurt your performance. And so as we're developing an exoskeleton and trying to enhance performance, any of that weight um, is, is fighting our goal overall. And that's why the Jetpack was so effective in kind of making that happen. Were you super nervous when you put the uh, Jetpack on Chris and vice versa? Uh, I was, I'm always a little bit nervous um, anytime somebody tries the Jetpack because it's a new feeling, it's unique, and it's not something that, I mean, it's nothing that occurs naturally in this universe. I mean, when do you put on something and it's suddenly, you know, pulling you along and, and pushing you as you're trying to run? So there's all kinds of hazards that come from that. Uh, we did make sure that Chris wore a helmet to keep uh, keep his brain safe because that's one of the most important things for future experiments with him. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, besides that, um, really, you know, we kind of had a little bit of orientation. You know, here's how to run safely in it. Here's how to control it. And um, from there, he just uh, went out and did it. And I think that's the, the other unique thing is it allows anybody to put it on, whether you are a high-speed runner or whether it's your first time. Christopher, did you feel faster with the jetpack on? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I would have said otherwise if I didn't. I felt like the road runner. You know, I, was running, I, I, I felt like I, I was running, sprint running very fast with ease, like I wasn't it wasn't, um, you know, that the weight of the, the jet or any of the apparatus, any part of the apparatus that was on me wasn't 
uh, affecting my performance outside of it enhancing it. So I don't know. I, I, I remember the day very clearly. I was amazed. I was genuinely amazed by it. But once again, you know, as Jason was saying, this is one part. Obviously, the military has a, has a vision of all of these parts that they keep asking for coming together. And you right. can imagine it being something very similar to an Iron Man suit or, or something like that. What would they like to use it for? For combat. So can you imagine these Iron Man warriors getting into combat situations? And then these things are so fascinating to me because they yeah. were just... We grew up with fiction, you know. This was fiction, and now it's real. And this is only yeah. phase one, right? This uh, the right. jetpack, yeah. Yeah, and and you can even see you know different methods. People have taken some of these fictional ideas and even applied it in video games. Uh, you look at you know side thrusters that, that allow you to um, get either get out of the way of harm or to be able to approach somebody faster. And so it gives some unique capabilities to the wearer for sure. Now. We live in a world that goes to war often. We do. We do, yes, as a collective we. Um, why would the government want to keep something like this a secret? Wouldn't they want to showcase it? Much like much like they faked the moon landing to show how we can shoot rockets into the sky. Now, here we go. Wouldn't they want to showcase <laughs> this and say we're making super soldiers? Perhaps to prevent the enemy from doing the same. Ah, so maybe they've learned their lesson in the past. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot we don't know about because what I found out throughout the journey of the this episode and the Overlords episode, I am blown away. I, I'm convinced that everything that we learned from fiction is now coming true and it's also being put into application one way or another. And a lot of it, it's military. Uh, and so considering that we, we're being told about this stuff and they're letting us know about this, what what exactly are they selling us? So I think one way or another, it's going to be sold to us eventually. Not only that, there's plenty of top secret stuff happening that would probably make your head spin. And that's just my assumption, but it's it, it's a learned assumption. Jason, would, would our head spin if we knew the classified stuff? Uh, well, you know, I um, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, maybe. Um, you know, just one way to look at it is if you can, you know, look at the what's going on on the surface, there's usually a little bit more below the water. But, um, you know, really in terms of, you know, what we're capable of and, and, you know, developing that technology for the future, I think that there's a lot of different reasoning behind what's shown and what's not. Um, instances like this where you have a technology that's enhancing a capability, it's not uh, a full groundbreaking um uh, aspects. You know, it's not like returning somebody invisible that gives them capabilities well beyond that of any other human. I mean, yes, this lets you run faster. Um, you might be able to keep, keep up with Usain Bolt uh, for a little bit, but it's not um, like you would be able to run circles around the fastest runner in the world. So it's, it's bringing us up to that competitive level. But I do think that there are things, obviously, uh, that have been researched and developed that are far beyond what our wildest dreams could Kind of share. Yeah, you mentioned in the episode, you mentioned uh, injecting a soldier's eyes to have night vision. That sounds pretty futuristic. Is that something you're working on, too? Uh, no, so that's not something that I'm working on. That's just uh, some things I've heard through the grapevine, you know, of, of other things going on. So it's not a personal project of mine. But Well, what what's the grapevine? Yeah, tell us more about like the a, grapevine. Yeah, is it like, <laughs> is it like a, a convention or something where... 
where everyone has yeah, a booth? Yeah, yeah, we have a, we have an aspiring superheroes convention that uh, everybody turns out to, you know, a couple times a year where we talk about stuff. Um, no, um, you know, it's really just um, kind of seeing, you know, what other things are going on out there. A great way to explore, you know, what the government is interested in is to look at, you know, some of the solicitations that they put out on what are called BAAs, so broad agency announcements, and those are public. And they don't necessarily talk specifically about the technology being created, but it's more of a, a broad agency announcement. We need somebody to develop a technology along this area. So you might see something along the, you know, that spectrum of, um, you know, um, need researchers to develop uh, chemically enhanced vision capabilities. <laughs> something, you know, broad like yeah. that. Um, and so then it allows your imagination to kind of run with, well, what that might this be used for? What are they actually doing? That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. How did you become a part of this episode? Um, well, you know, really, I think it, I guess that's more probably a, a question for Chris. Um, but, you know, with some of the, the government research that I've done previously, it, um, it fits into, I think, the overall narrative of trying to explore what's really out there and, I guess, bring a little bit of that closing the loop of, of what's been done and what we can talk about. And that just gives us an idea of all the things that are going on that we can't talk about. Well, this has been the most mysterious interview so far. I, <laughs> almost feels like interviewing Bill Belichick. I, <laughs> I feel like Chris is like, see, see, I, yeah. I've told you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you give, you give just enough to, uh, to wet the appetite. Yeah. <laughs> Why isn't there a specific agency announcement? Like, uh, is, is that like, is that their way to advertise for like a contractor to approach them? Yes, exactly. So in terms of, you know, the, the public research that, that we can talk about and that everybody sees. There's all kinds of rules in place for small business, um, such as, you know, fair opportunity, et cetera. And so they have to they, they have to basically explain this and, and let everybody who has the capabilities kind of come forward. Because one way, I mean, for one reason, it allows people with capabilities and research going on already to let the government know that they're doing this research. And so there's all kinds of different steps, RFIs, which is request for information, then request for proposals. And so it's this long drawn out process. There are times though that it skips that and, um, and, and they do you know, what we call in the industry sole sourced solicitations. So if somebody is working on a very specific technology that nobody else knows about and they don't want the world to know about this by going out and doing a EAA, um, then, then there are methods for the government to sole source that research. So I'm actually just, uh, going through the, the archives of the broad agency announcements right now. Yeah, yeah, you can, you know, if you go to Fez, FezBizOps, or, yeah, FedBizOps.org, um, you'll, you'll find, you know, some of these different announcements. And a lot of the stuff is, you, you know, pretty, pretty off the top, you know, normal stuff that the military would research on. But then you'll come across some that are a little bit further out there. Like, I, I've actually seen one, I think, that, talked about creating a, a plasma force field, um, you know, for, for vehicles. And that's actually, I think if, if, you, if the listeners want to do a little bit more research, there is a patent uh, that was granted over the last couple of years about a force field type device that can actually deflect missiles being shot at a vehicle. 
Chris's eyes so are lighting up right some now. Of the, <laughs> some of the crazy stuff, and that's actually been patented. So we don't get to see the tests and what's going on with it. But kind of if you look at the, the underbelly and some of these inner workings, you can pull little bits of thread out here and there and, and learn a little bit more. Oh my God, I'm so jealous of you. Amazing. I I'm, know. You know so much. I, and you know, and you're just you're just giving us like what we need to know. It's so I feel so privileged right now. We need more now. Is is from your perspective? Is DARPA, the Department of Defense, all this funding? Is all this a little mysterious to you too? Um, I, I think less because you know I, I've met with the program managers of, of different programs and actually been in this environment, so it's a little bit less out there for me. And and you see the the goal and desire behind it. I know that in the past, um, you know, and especially highlighted in, in some of Chris's um, you know, shows and dialogues, that, that things have been done for the wrong reason. And, and I have no place to say, you know, what future things are. But at least the things that I've been involved with have been kind of from a more positive standpoint. You know, every day that I was working on this jetpack or the exoskeletons, from my perspective and my goal, uh, I have the opportunity to potentially save a soldier's life. I know that if I was getting shot at, I want to be able to get out of there as fast as possible. And so from that perspective, as, a, as an inventor, as a researcher, um, you know, we're designing with kind of that, I guess you'd say, you know, a little bit of love in our heart um, for somebody that can use this in a positive way. But obviously, um, you know, war is an ugly, ugly thing. And uh, in order to not be beaten, I, I think that people, you know, need to research all different areas. And so, um, yeah, really, really depends on, on this individual situation, I guess. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Jason, for joining us here on Beyond Strange World. We really appreciate it. We know your time is limited. Um, but thank you very much. Uh, any other questions do you, do you have for Jason? Or, no, uh, I mean, uh, just wanted to thank you for uh, giving, you what, giving us what you could. Um, you know, uh, granted your situation, I'm sure, I'm sure you're totally surrounded by a bunch of men in uh, black suits and and clipboards <laughs> and and recorders monitoring yeah. and uh, recording everything you're saying. So and, yeah, we expect um, <laughs> tell the class- said hello and please forward all the uh, classified emails uh, to our inbox. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely, thank you all so much for having me. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, Chris, congrats again. Awesome show. Thank you, I love that you're bringing so much of this knowledge to the public because. I feel like it's really important. You know, we need to have those checks and balances, even if it is through means of a television show. It's it's extremely important, but I feel also very entertaining. So congrats. Thank you so much. Well, there's an interesting guy. That was amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay, Chris. So, uh, Chris, spill the beans. What else did he tell you? Because you're in the know. He told you, I can see it, that you know more. When they weren't filming, what was he saying? This is, all right, so let's start with perspective. Okay. Number one, this is my perspective. Everything we read in comic books is coming true. Now, we, they were only dramatized and stylized when we were kids and throughout our whatever, you know, our youth and even now. It's stylized and dramatized. But if you go to its essential definition and the reasoning behind it, it's always the military trying to develop this amazing thing and most of these things. Sometimes it's a guy that came from outer space. But, you know, anything that's being developed, any of the X-Men, Iron Man, all of that stuff, if you even look in those stories, they're always finding a mild-mannered scientist who wants to do good. Yeah. 
he's the guy that can imagine this thing and he's the guy that has the intelligence to invent it but it's being funded by a military outfit their intentions are to use it for the military now i'm not saying for evil depends on what your perspective is of that but eventually all of these things are going to be applied for some kind of combat some kind of warfare and that's also in line with a lot of the stories we've read growing up so to me that was the very beginning of all of this it's so fascinating that and, and even the next episode and many of these other episodes is that all of these things we've read in fiction it's one of, it's it's a constant theme in strange world that it's very real and i wanted to show you how it is real and this is a real thing jason's not a fake guy he's really designing these things they i used part of it in the episode but you'll hear from other people in this episode too that are designing things that are so out there okay so my question now is is does the government reverse engineer the things that they see in comic books and in movies and on tv shows do they say hey that looks cool i wonder if we could find a scientist to do that or is it sort of reverse where the powers that be in the entertainment industry, et cetera, are trying to show us these things to sort of normalize them for when they really happen in the real world. Right. Uh, That's my question as well. Yeah, same question. Yeah. All right, get ready. <laughs> so there's this conspiracy theory out there that there were government types at the offices of Marvel and DC way back when characters were being created that they had some kind of influence over it. Because if we go back to Project Stargate, the government was interested in developing psychics for some kind of psychic warfare for them to remote view. These ideas were in military intelligence a long time ago. And so in many cases, the, the actual occurrence of of the the requirement of these things or the ideas of military intelligence using these outrageous ideas may have influenced comic books way back then and the imagination of the 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 the, the comic book writers and the artists may have then in turn influenced the military but i think it's a little bit of both and um i'd love to further explore the idea that military types were actually in these offices and trying to influence the public and get the idea in their minds. Why is DARPA even letting us know about this stuff, whereas years ago this would have been super top-secret stuff at the time of Project Stargate? Why are they letting out press releases of these things? You know, if you go look, they're, they're letting you know about these exoskeletons. They're letting you know about the jetpacks and a lot of other stuff, the night vision, even uh, using animal DNA to yeah. enhance astronauts and soldiers. And, yeah, um, well, you don't have to look very hard to see how the government and the military can influence someone in uh, in the in the in the in the arena of uh, entertainment. They had they had Air Force sign up booths set up at at the uh, exit door of Top Gun when that movie came out. The Air Force was taking recruits, and the Air Force mostly funded Top Gun, the movie. Mm. They provided all of the aircrafts for it, and it was basically a giant commercial for to, to, to fly jet planes. Even even the right. early days of like movies, like Liberty Pictures was founded in the thirties to, you know, unite uh unite pride. Yeah. Uh, World War Two, World War One. 
So you don't you don't have to do much research to see that that's that's something. Yeah, the entertainment industry sort of uh, tries to guide society and the public in some ways. But I love the point about like, do they do it to do they do it to normalize it when you yeah, what see comes first? desensitize it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or do they work hand in hand? And, and that was a great that was a great answer to that. Like, at some point, are we going to start seeing or have we seen movies where where humans have animal DNA in them to become better soldiers is that is that a thing or in five years are we going to see that i believe we will i i think in the next 50 years most of the fiction we absorbed as kids is going to be very real um you're going to see human animal hybrids you're going to see it it sounds so crazy but it's true that's the thing this sounds insane but it's real this whole planet's going to change we're going to change maybe the reason why the superhero movies are such a big thing is because they're selling us human enhancement. We're getting so used to that idea. You can go back to the matrix for a second when Neo absorbed, you know, he knew Kung Fu in two seconds. Well, guess what? We're going to be able to do that in a few years. And, um, well, you know, most people are going to say, of course I'll take it. Of course I'll take that chip in my brain. Of course (laughs) I'll take this injection. I want to be superhuman. Let me add that, uh, you know, we, we've moved a lot closer towards the matrix um, since 1999, since when the movie came out. We're almost there, as you said. If you want to know Kung Fu soon, you'll be able to just download it, and three minutes later, you'll know it. But today, if I have an editing issue, and I type that editing issue, how do I do this into Google? I get the answer. I get a YouTube video that tells me how to do it now. So it doesn't download to my brain, so to speak, like the way, the way it did in the Matrix, but... It's not too far off. Not too far off. Not right. yet. I mean, yeah. all of the steps leading up to that are going, to, are going to feel so gradual because, you know, you just said if, if there's a problem with editing. That's just one example. Five years ago, if you have a problem with, ed- with editing. You're fucked. Yeah, well, you'd have to really <laughs> look into it. And then gradually, you know, maybe you open up the, oh, the, God, the, the manual. Oh, God, the dreaded and, manual. And now it's like, okay, well, I can just watch a video on it. And, I mean, it's, it's also proven that people who... You know, there's a story about a guy who wants he wanted to be like a carpenter or, or like uh, make wooden toys. And he had a workshop and he was working on them all the time and working on them. And then he would occasionally go to YouTube to see like, well, how am I how do I do this part of it? How do I do this part of it? And before he knew it, he wasn't even working on the toys anymore. He was just watching the YouTube videos, but feeling like he was being productive in his brain. His brain had convinced him that he had been working on all this, <laughs> but he hadn't. So okay. it's, the, it's so he didn't even realize that was happening. My point is like the gradualness of it all. Yeah. Someday we might just be like, oh, remember when we used to YouTube how, these editing problems? Yeah, and now I just like think about it and it's already implanted in my brain. Well, think yeah. about 1999 when you saw The Matrix for the first time. All that stuff seemed like, oh, my God, that would be incredible to live in that reality. And here we are a lot closer to it. Well, it's, sure. it's all a network now with Facebook and social media. Oh, boy. They're hijacking your they're hijacking your <laughs> souls, for God's sake. Uh, Chris, sorry. <laughs> Let's stay on topic. Let's stay on topic here. <laughs> no, how dare you, you're to, how dare is, you get this us off topic like of this? It. This is all part of it. It really is. Um, and the question is... This is what your show does are, to me. <laughs> are, are we just part of one uh, exponential revolution in technology and human enhancement, or is it being guided by a master brain and a master plan that's the scary part because if it is being guided for what reason is it to improve upon us is it to unify us for some nefarious purpose you know a virtual reality is going to be a bigger and bigger thing as we go it just keeps getting better and 
it's eventually, you know, some of the technologies that you've seen so far, like uh, Dr. Ramsey's over at Neurable, you know, and then what you'll see in the next episode uh, next week, uh, these things are actually communicating with our brains, reading things from it, and they'll be very capable of implanting ideas and thoughts and changing us. Uh, every time you put on one of these these goggles or these virtual reality headsets. So this is just a small glimpse into the near, very near future of what's going to happen, and we are going to change. And then next week we talk about artificial intelligence and how we might have to enhance ourselves to be able to compete with artificial intelligence. So is something, is there a master brain deceiving us right now and, and moving us? like a game, like a chess piece saying, well, if we do this, it's going to influence them to do this and this. And eventually somewhere there's this end game, this goal. And what is the goal? Is it to completely change us and make us into a Borg society? These are questions we need to answer and we need to contemplate. Doesn't it feel like that they've, they, they, quotes, ha- have <laughs> been preparing us for like this or or announcing that, uh, extraterrestrials are real don't you doesn't it feel like we've been prepped for this age for like ever from and through films through you know go go back to the 70s or earlier with uh, star wars and way beyond i mean doesn't it am we're, i wrong we're on being, this no it feels like we're being primed for something to, to make, not to normalize to, it to normalize it so it doesn't kill us of shock right. kill us from shock yeah sure well i think we're getting very close to that revelation i'd say within the next 50 years we're a lot of us are going to change we're going to change yeah well i mean we we have we have changed i mean evolutionary terms like we physically have gone from being one thing into a human being and that's taken millions of years sure but they didn't have all of the stuff back then you know they didn't have all the technology but it's uh it's rapidly coming to uh reality right now and but sort of at the same time it's gradual you know if you you don't you don't realize it because you're sort of uh desensitized to it i'm writing a science fiction story about this very thing oh cool love it one day it will be a movie yeah it's gonna be insane excellent yeah what's the what's the title turbo lover oh nice (laughs) i love that (laughs) oh that's incredible nobody steals All right, so well, Judas Priest took it first. <laughs> so, t- <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about remote viewing. A lot of the first half of this episode has to do with remote viewing, and you you visit someone named Lynn Buchanan, who is a member of Project Stargate. And yeah, tell us a, a little bit about Project Stargate. So, Project Stargate was created by the government by the CIA with an interest in psychic abilities, something that we've been told for many years is fiction and for entertainment purposes only. But the government doesn't believe that. They'll invest a lot of money and time because they believe it's very real. So they wanted to use the innate psychic abilities of their subjects and develop them to see a lot of different things, to communicate to affect things from afar and to mainly see if the enemy was developing technology and weaponry that we could use or see or what their plans were, putting it into application, launching a missile at us, whatever. That was its intention. So they had a small group of people, including Lynn Buchanan, that they would train 
to use these abilities through uh, means that you probably wouldn't initially expect. They're, they're, it's done with more ease. It's more about freeing your mind and allowing this ability that we have to come into play. And Buchanan and a few of the other guys involved claim that they not only had this psychic ability, but a telekinetic ability where they could affect computers and make things move. And this is all stuff we saw in a lot of films, uh, I guess, from the from the 60s throughout the 70s. You know, everything from uh, um, Brian De Palma's Fury to David Cronenberg's Scanners to uh, Stephen King's Firestarter. These were all about government programs developing psychic abilities. And I think all of those movies stem from the talks about these secret government programs in, you know, in, in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, that informed all of that fiction later on. I think it's a very it's a very real thing. It's been confirmed that this was a real thing. And so Lynn Buchanan was one of the confirmed psychics of Project Stargate. Okay, and you met someone else, uh, Joe McGonigal, who is, um, I believe, works for the Monroe Institute. And I, if I'm not mistaken, was was he also a part of Project Stargate? Yes, I believe he was the very first. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, Right. He was the first psychic used in the program. Uh, again, you know, they were spaced apart a little bit, and there were so many different branches of this as it weaned off, and they, are, they claim there wasn't a lot of success. However, I believe there was success. They were seeing these enemy uh, uh, projects, and they were uh, locking into their targets successfully. But I think the idea now is, see, that was the very, one of the, at least that we know of, one of the very first super soldier type programs where they were developing these psychic abilities where it's going now is all human enhancement why spend six years trying to train our innate psychic abilities when we can implant chips in your brain that would accelerate that ability and i think that is the thought now using technology to enhance those abilities one way or another or unifying everybody with a technology where they can see things or, or talk to each other or let's say you have a chip that can hack into some kind of database where you can see something, you know? Uh, I think those are the ideas right now. That's why they're trying to do all this stuff. Very cool. And uh, so you you went through some tests with Joe, and uh, you chose the number six, and there was an envelope um, with, I guess, I don't know how many different pictures, uh, maybe 10 different pictures or something inside the envelope? Sure. Yeah, he taught me really quick how to do it. I had... I did very light research on this beforehand. Like I read about the project itself, but the technique I had not put into application. However, I've had many psychic moments. I'm sure all of us have very specifically psychic moment, moments. They weren't coincidences. Uh, I'll just give you a quick one. So I'm sitting in a parking lot of a mall with my buddy, John. We're both sitting there and there is no reason to think what we were about to think, but I looked at him, he looked at me, and he said, I think we need to move right now. It was almost desolate. It was the back end of, like, you know, one of the electronic stores we walked out of. We were sitting in the car looking at stuff that we just bought. And so I said, okay. And I moved the car over, and this truck just came out of nowhere and flew right through the space, full speed, where we were parked. So I think that's one example. Wow, yeah. 
Yeah. That's incredible. We both had this sense of dread and fear. Like, what was this? And I think animals have this when they feel a storm coming. Yeah. You know, it's something we're, it's part of our evolutionary process. We have it. It's a psychic thing. It's a sense. It's an intuition. And so the government knows this. And, and that was explained to me by uh, Lynn Buchanan, what the way they see it. You know, it's something very natural that we could develop now and use it. And so, you know, we, we've seen it as such a mystic thing because it's written about in fiction so much. But it really is something that we have that we could use and develop. And most of us don't even try. It's right. crazy because we all agree that that if if you have a pet, you we, we all agree, even the most skeptical person will say, oh, my cat or my dog know, can sense uh, can smell this squirrel or can sense this or evil. sense that. Uh, evil. Well, no, that's that's all. That's true as well. Like sometimes, have you ever been walking your walking Brady and and Brady just doesn't like somebody? Yeah, but know? she doesn't like anyone <laughs> except but, for me. But you know, like like we all agree, like there's something about an animal that yeah. they can they have some sense that we can't see without a doubt, and we assume we don't have it. I mean, as far as storms go, I mean, I think I can go outside and and tell if it's if it feels like it's going to rain. You know, something with the pressure, the in barometric the air. pressure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ever since I hurt my elbow, that aches now. Whenever, <laughs> and it's true. Yes, like it I always thought that that was a joke. Yeah, no, but it's it's not. Like if something happens, but but just the the sense of of um, you know, like like uh like elk will sense that they're being hunt you know hunted by like a cougar or something and and they'll they'll know or i don't even know if cougars hunt elk but um, <laughs> Def- definitely not that was tuesday night at david louis um, <laughs> but, but uh, no no I, I see the point i think i mean radio waves audio waves right they're not physical you can't see them with your eyes there is stuff going on that we can't see with our eyes dogs hear another frequency right so yeah. so I, I I think it's interesting that some people don't don't uh, like they don't sign on to. Well, maybe there is something about us. like you, you and your buddy had this moment of I, we need to move. I can't explain why, but we need to move. Like some people have never had that. Some people have. And what do you what do you just write that off as like a coincidence? I, I personally don't think so. I think your brain is is far, far beyond what, what we can comprehend. Sure. And, and military intelligence knows this. And, of course, they'd be interested in improving upon any of their weapons or soldiers. They, they want to. They, this is what they do. Um, this makes sense to them. And this is their job. Yeah. And so that's why they're doing it. And, uh, and there was the story from, from Lynn that he told earlier in the episode where he said he was recruited as a psychic spy because when he got angry, he would uh, things would break, like, uh, like his computer would fry or something, something electronic would have issues when he got really, really angry. And that sort of became a rumor, and he said his, um, you know, whoever was above him found out about it and sent him to uh, train to do remote view with the rest of the, the bunch. Right. Um, you know, that that was his claim. And, you know, we we saw that. I grew up watching that in fiction and uh, Brian De Palma, Stephen King's Carrie. And she was yeah. angry. Things would fall over and break. You know, uh, this is this is even in the X-Men, you know, all of this stuff, all of this fiction is rooted in truth. Now, learning these stories that happened before someone through the grapevine, as Jason was just saying, mm. someone heard about this stuff. Either that or we're all some kind of, you know, we have some kind of unified thing where psychically maybe we're remote viewing and we think it's our imagination or we're really picking up on things that are happening. 
Yeah. Who knows? I mean, yeah. that, that could be the case. I mean, I, th- I feel like a lot of times that ha- – and maybe I'm going off on a little rant here, but, uh, you know, like there's Armageddon and Deep Impact that comes out at the same time. There's a Bug's Life and Ants that come out at the same time. There's a lot of movies that are very similar, and TV shows too. It happens a lot. It happens every season. They come come out, and they're very similar, and I always wondered if, like, those are creative waves that uh, kind of get tangled. Do you know that there is a theory out there about creative waves? No. There's there that it's almost like uh, like the flu. Like people will catch it from one another. Like I could if, see that if I'm yeah. inspired by by Christopher and he's inspired by you, and you know my girlfriend's inspired by me. Somewhere along the lines, without us directly communicating it, she might start looking into some government conspiracy that Christopher was looking into. Right. Because... That's what I want. That's the whole point of the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've done it. We did, we did it. Cut. To change everybody. <laughs> um, so I guess, what, what was it like to to speak with um, Joe and to have him do that test where where he was looking at the at the boats and uh, and he nailed it and then and then you tried right after and and seemed to kind of nail it as well. Looking at pictures of boats. Well, it was it was an envelope that yeah. that Joe focused on, and and Chris gave him a number, and that number six, the picture six in the envelope, was the boats, and he like basically described it to a T. Sure, uh, I just have to say, so when I got to the Monroe Institute, it was the most tranquil feeling I had felt. Like everything seemed to be dissipated all of the the tech and all of the stuff that kind of muddies us up i mean i have like four computers around me right now <laughs> two cell phones yeah uh i didn't feel any of that when i was there I, everybody was relaxed we were all looking at each other and then out of the blue the storm comes and, and then it that ended pretty quick but there was this very tranquil feeling you got to go there someday and just experience it it was it was great um, the only other time i felt that way is i went to a monastery once to uh install a security system and uh it felt that way there too yeah that wasn't where i thought you were going with that (laughs) (laughs) it took took my brain a moment to wrap to wrap around so so imagine what your psychic abilities could achieve if we if we baselined everything if we just got rid of all of this distraction and everything that's coming from all of this stuff that's around us right uh you know and i think we start there and that's what he's doing over there he's developing things at the institute and so visiting him and doing that test there i suppose that i was in a state of mind where maybe my psychic abilities were at their best at that moment uh and i was because he even told me he's like it's very rare that someone's able to achieve this right away which is great you know that means uh i guess i'm a little more in touch with those abilities but uh most of us don't even try think it could work over skype (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I have those psychic cards here, oh. but I see. I think it's supposed to be effortless. I think your best results would come from what he's trying to get you to do is to not think so much about. Right. It's more about uh-huh. stripping away than teaching. Yes. Um, okay. Well, later in the episode, you go to this place in Mecca, California. You meet Pete Brousseau, and you talk a little <laughs> bit about the men who stare at goats, the the book and movie. Uh, the book written by our buddy John Ronson, friend of the show, John Ronson, friend of the show, and they start telling you about about that, and they're like, "You got to come back at night. We've got a mission for you." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh man, of course he's got to go back at night. Of course." <laughs> I mean, I can't even believe it. Every every goddamn episode, 
we look at him and we're like, I'd say no. And you're like, yeah, suit me up. No, actually, as opposed to creepy or spooky in the last episode, this one seems a lot of fun. Yeah, it did seem like a lot of fun. It really did. And and Haley was was the the pretend hostage. And uh, and they sort of they had a mission for you. So you're supposed to go rescue Haley and then get make it back to the bunker. Um, yep. without getting killed by the assassins who they sent after you as well. And you were delivered there without knowing where you were. That was so much fun. First of all, Pete Russo and, and the gang, Kerry Sensei and all those guys are like, going to visit your uncle who wants to put you in an arm lock and show you Kung Fu. <laughs> did you have one of those? Because I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Vietnam vet uncle that wants to... <laughs> and I taught him a lesson. Teach you, teach you combat and give you a Heineken at the end of it and then put you put you in a headlock. So, yeah, those guys were like that, but they, they were a lot of fun. They were interesting guys. They wanted to constantly show you stuff that hurt you. They were hurting each other. You know, Pete Russo had this little device called the Defender that he invented, made out of fiberglass, and they were constantly hitting each other in the forehead with it. And you didn't see this on the episode, but they were, they were scratching. They had gouges in their arms. They gouged me in the neck with it. It was fun. I, so they, they, what, they, they invented, like, a ruler and hit you in the face with it? allegedly it's well i wouldn't let him do that but allegedly it was a (laughs) non-lethal weapon to prevent something from happening if you're getting mugged you can break out pete russo's defender and then just like you know destroy the guy but not kill him and so i think it's lethal because it has all these jagged edges and it definitely pierces your skin because we were all bleeding because pete was trying it out on the crew and (laughs) trying it out on me Uh, (laughs) okay but then we went on the mission, which was fantastic, and um, it was a combination of learning stealth, going from one point to another, avoiding the enemy and being very stealthy, but at the same time using your intuition to find the target, and at one point uh, crossing the path. This is such a great moment. I wish it could have been established exactly how I experienced it. Do you guys, you know, the filmmaker Sam Peckinpah? Sure. Yeah. Like, those old westerns yeah. and like the wild bunch and uh, bring me the head of alfredo garcia we were like near the mexican border it's at night uh you know you're hearing all this music coming uh you know from different homes like all this different mexican music coming it was fantastic we're crawling through the desert all right and we're hearing this music you hear a train you're hearing a dog bark you have Kerry Sensei now put an image of a stake into the dog's mind to get him to stop barking. So I did that, and the dog stopped barking. Now use your. I mean, this is so much fun. It was like an advanced game of manhunt. That's what it felt like, you know. And I guess this is how these guys truly trained. Yeah. You know, you were <laughs> so you pictured a stake, um, the dog consuming a stake in your mind. To get the dog to from from barking to stop barking, you pictured this dog eating a steak, or just the steak, or just the steak. No, he 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 suggested that we put the idea of a steak into the dog's mind. Oh, okay. Could, yes. could you put some? Could you put the idea of something in my mind right now? Okay. Um, okay. My mind too. We'll and we'll uh we'll write right, down our answers. It's gonna be insane. Get ready. Okay. Perfect. See if you, you pick it up. All right. Clear okay. my mind. The count of three. One, two, three. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Okay, so so we just wrote down what we think you might have put into our minds. Okay. Um, I got a few things. The first thing I got was a car because the car went right by. Um, I pictured a triangle was, is because probably what you pictured in the episode. Then I pictured football because Monday Night Football is on tonight. But then I think I got to the real thing, and it was a leopard. That, that's, what I, that's what I thought you were putting in my head. I put, uh, I put coffee. Coffee? Coffee. Oh, okay. For some reason, I pictured a bag of coffee. Oh. I, I had to think of the most ridiculous image that I could think of immediately. A leopard drinking so I coffee. I put you at a birthday party at McDonald's with Ronald McDonald holding balloons, and there were animals there, and there was a leopard in the idea. Okay. So I'm just saying. And they okay. sell coffee at McDonald's. They do sell coffee at McDonald's. Wow. I was like, the how could they miss this one if I send them it? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is fun. We should do a whole bonus episode on that. That is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I want to try more. How much time you got today? <laughs> Well, uh, thank you very much, Chris. This uh, this was a really great episode. Uh, another great episode. Another great episode. Yeah. <laughs> can you please can you please tell us that the uh, the final episode is going to be you hopping in a time machine and going back <laughs> to 1950 to warn everybody about all this stuff? I, hey, listen, I'm up for anything. I have to do the Gator Hunt ex, uh, episode for second season, though. No, we, we already talked about this. <laughs> please do the Gator Hunt. <laughs> and this is a killer Gator called Two Toed Tom, big giant Gator. It's been around for a long time. Remember that feeling yeah. of dread that you had when you were in that car? <laughs> Lance is getting that right now. <laughs> you should definitely have that thinking of uh, Two-Toed Tom. <laughs> What's going to happen is we need to get you guys on one of the episodes with me. Yes. Oh, my God. And yes. I think it might be that episode. I think uh, Perfect. I'll get. A, I'll, I'll be on the episode. <laughs> yeah. You're not going on the hunt? Be, maybe I'll go on the hunt, all but right. I won't get out of the truck. And then we'll all go to McDonald's, <laughs> me, you, you guys, Ronald McDonald, and a party to celebrate season two. Yep. Perfect. And, we'll and a leopard. I can't a wait. A leopard, and we'll have a nice cup of coffee, <laughs> and, uh, and we'll play a little uh, a little uh, Polybius. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a lot Thanks, of fun guys. again. Check out Strange World Travel Channel Mondays at 11 p.m. Eastern. Thank you. endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.